Alright, here we go. Ready? <laughs> and we're ready. Please don't murder me. Here we go. Welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. My name is Johnny Ray Diaz. What's up, guys? I'm Aaron Arnold. And I'm Austin Arnold. And we're a couple of buddies living in Hollywood, just trying to make it through this town as actors, filmmakers, and all that fun stuff. And today, got a special guest with us tonight. Actually, not even tonight. I guess today. Uh, we got Rafael Leva, <coughs> DP, right? How you I doing, like man? I good. I'm good. I'm good. Appreciate I'm you coming out, here. man. Yes, thank you very much. I really appreciate this. Man. Oh, that's nice of you. Yeah. Welcome. It's been a while, right? I haven't seen it's you been like time. it's been like three years. It has been a while, right? Yeah. I was dude. talking about it with my girlfriend today. My girlfriend and I met on the same set that me and Johnny met. They're actually both cast members uh, from the same feature. Yeah. Oh, so wow. let's just yeah. talk about that. So we met on this feature called Crazy Feature, Sinister Squad. Sinister Squad. So tell us about your experience working on that set. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you know, it's one of those sets that you look back and you're like, man, those were the years where you were young. <laughs> and it was a few years ago, right? It was a couple of years ago, but I mean, I mean a lot like has changed like ever since. I know it sounded like it was like 10 <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah. It was really four years ago, if anything. I remember the days when we shot on real cameras. <laughs> Back in the day. No, um, this film was totally a testament in as far as creativity, pushing creativity with no money. And I think we shot it in like 10 days or 11 days. It was ridiculous. It was like a, it was like a, a new record wow. for this specific production company. And uh, I think the best part about the film was that I met this really crazy group of actors <laughs> that that we all kind of be became friends and throughout the years we all still keep in contact. Well, and you also met your girlfriend. And I also met my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, her yeah. too. Yeah. 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 Wait, she was an actress or? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Which one was she? She was Goldilocks. <laughs> so, of course, man. Sounds so, so weird to say. <laughs> so fucking weird. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, no, she was Goldilocks. You were Rumple Skills. What? Rumple Stiltskin, man. Rumple Stiltskin. How could you forget man. old Rumpy? Rumpy? My favorite shot of the movie was with this guy, and then they cut it, and I was like, I fucking hate this. Wait, oh, what shot what was, was the it? shot? He was murdering. He was killing. And uh, maybe for the folks at home, like, what was this movie? Yeah. What okay, was this, this movie is basically a B class movie that pays homage to Monster Squad, the original from the eighties. Except the script was constantly changed. So there was a lot of improvised uh, um, story elements. And uh, I mean, it was just a lot of fun, dude. It was just yeah. like really cool. My favorite, so my favorite shot was you killing this woman. I forgot her. She, she was played by this girl called Talia. And it was like, a, oh, yeah, the blue girl, the blue demon or something. And she was very, see, Talia's skin tone is very, very, very dark. So it's very beautiful to light her skin tone with blue light, I remember. Mm. Wow. And it was like the first time that I played with like blue steel, which is like an actual gel. Oh, I thought that it was sounds Yeah, I thought that was Zoolander. No, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry, blue steel's the <laughs> blue steel's from Zoolander. The gel's called steel blue. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. A little bit different. A little bit different. Know. Flip it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, no, that's 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 cool, man. Yeah, it was a definitely a weird movie because I remember some days looking at the call sheet and we're like, huh, we're shooting 18 pages today. Yeah, that yeah, sounds like yeah. uh, we're gonna get that done. I have friends who sometimes are like, man, how do you how do you make it? How do you get, become a feature DP and all this stuff? And you know, and 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 
keep in mind I'm only 34, but I've been shooting. I've been shooting. Luckily, fortunately enough, since I'm like 27 or 28. But it's kind of like where you really cut your teeth. Those features are so important because you go in there. I remember Sinister Squad. We did like those a day. I did 54 setups. Like wow. that's insane. Yeah, right. and what is the average? That's insane. For? On a normal A-list picture, what they're doing a page a day? Uh, no, on a normal A-list picture, you're doing you're looking at three and a half pages a day, four pages, five of any, but like it's more around the twenty-five something setups a day. Yeah, you know, but you also structure everything. Everything's bigger. Everything's relative. Mm. You know, because right. a setup could be shoot Aaron this way, and then another setup is shoot. Um, Austin. Austin. Austin <laughs> my bad. I won't forget anymore because yeah, I, I love Austin. I was impressed you got my name. I know, I know. I just met everyone and, and you guys gave me a beer and it probably has yeah. a roofie in it. It does, dude. Just keep hey. sipping it slowly. It's, 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 I don't know why. I feel cold. We like it. <laughs> I don't know why. Explains the jacket. I don't know why. I can't feel my legs. <laughs> um, nice, man. No, it's, that's, that's really cool. We want to get more into that too, but um, I know you have a, a pretty cool story about you know, you starting out. Um, so why don't you kind of talk about, you know, where you're from originally um, and how you actually kind of even got started in the whole industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first off, before I say anything, you know, it's funny. This this story took me years to, to be like cool about it. Mm. Really? Yeah, because when, when, when it all went down, it kind of like society, that's, see, that's the thing about society. We live through it as filmmakers. But when you're in like the dark times or in a dark tunnel, yeah, it's weird how society behaves with you. Mm. And that kind of put perspective on me and the way I looked at life. And I'm born and raised in Puerto Rico, and I come from like an awesome, educated, super cool, middle class family. Uh, they used to have it all, and then something happened in my life, in my family where I was like 12 or 13 years old. So I saw some some stuff go down. And that kind of scarred me, and I basically put myself in front of what my family is and said, you know, I have to work really hard to to achieve what I want to be, and I've always wanted to be a filmmaker. But it's tricky because when you grow up in the Caribbean, people would want you to play, you know, sports or do something right. like, like you know, baseball a doctor or, or engineer yeah. or basketball and all that stuff. So it was really interesting to grow up there because I had the best childhood, but once in a while... I had to endure like the weirdest social pressure of having to play sports and all this shit. And it's interesting. I come from like a really tall artsy family <laughs> from wow. from Puerto Rico, where there there's not that many tall people. There's not you know so uh, like yeah. sports and and music and all that stuff. I wasn't really good at. What sports are big in Puerto Rico? Oh man, we're like the shit in volleyball. <laughs> um, we're awesome, obviously in baseball. Yeah, surfing. For people that don't know, how tall are you? Six foot six. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You'd been great in volleyball. And I killed it a little bit in volleyball. I had my little moment. It didn't get me anything. <laughs> I remember trying to impress this hot girl in a tournament. This is a true story. I was trying to impress this hot girl in a tournament. And I, like, you know, did the whole, like, you know, she shows her feathers. I showed my feathers. And, <laughs> what then, is, and then showing your feathers? Well, you know, like, when, like, a girl gives you a look and she poses. Uh, and then you do the same and then all of a sudden the coach lets you in. Oh. <laughs> and I misplace myself in the play and the ball hits you so hard in the in the head that knocks you down. It's kind of embarrassing. You can't really recover from that. I do the six that's pack in the it. face. I know, dude. That's that's, the, that's basically it. And that was the moment in your life you're like, I'm gonna become a filmmaker. That's it. <laughs> that was it. No, but it's interesting since I was very young, 
I would um, take my mom's car, would go to Blockbuster and get all these movies and I would break them down. It was my favorite thing to do was to like study film. And then my best friend went to NYU Gallatin. So Jordan, Jordan Lau, his mom taught me English. Well, technically I learned English in American school, but but his mom, Marty, is a white woman from Arkansas. She was like my second mom. So I would speak Spanish in my house and then I would speak English in Jordan's house. And then when we graduated high school, I took one year off and I went to school in San Juan in the best telecommunication school and they had a film program. But as soon as I went in, I was I was rather I was rather kind of a punk in the whole aspects of it, like for real, and and like anarchy and all that bullshit, and um, <clears throat> and I walk in and I'm like, man, this is not what like they don't have the resources for what I want to do, and I had a specific vision of life. The other day, my friend Christian called me. He used to be my roommate, and he was like, man, I can't believe like fucking 15 years ago you call me and you say, I'm gonna leave to the U.S. And I'm going to take my student loan uh, rebate and I'm going to go buy a one-way ticket to New York City. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I, and I did that in, I remember in like February. And it was for September 1st, 2004. I landed in New York City with like two suitcases. I left a gorgeous girlfriend back home. Mm-hmm. An awesome job. I, I was like a gelato chef for some reason. It's so funny. <laughs> okay. But wow. it's true. It's so true. Uh, my friend... Um, gelato, huh? Like yeah, no, for real. I had, I had these really wealthy friends. And I think what happened was Puerto Rico had this law called the Jones Act. So anyone that moves down there, or you make a, or you make a business, you don't pay for taxes for 20 years. So a lot of like businesses were booming. So basically my friend's like, I'm going to make the, the first ever gelato restaurant. So they brought over these Italian gelato chefs. And I was caught in the middle of it while I was just trying to smoke weed and, and surf. <laughs> and they taught me. I got certified. And when I was 18 years old, I was making like a really good salary. Nice. Getting stoned, surfing, <laughs> and just, you know, doing gelato. Hey, and you yeah, still make gelato? I do not. Oh, I, dude, I could, come on. I could probably fuck up a batch. <laughs> <laughs> I could probably break in bad this thing right now. <laughs> were, your, were your parents supportive? Like when you took that check and you... Uh, no, they didn't even know. Oh, wow. They didn't even know. No. Because um, you were on your own by then. You were living Oh, yeah. Home. I've always okay. been the black sheep of my family. Like, I love my brother and my sister. They're actually now in, living in L.A. and at USC. They go to a uh, dramatic school of arts, you know. Nice. Yeah, for their uh, drama drama program for, bachelor, uh, I think, master's degree. So they're becoming actors? Yeah, no, they're incredible actors. My brother, Gabriel, he's, he's a very well-known, respected I would say famous too because I guess it's kind of funny. I, I was shooting a, uh, I was shooting something in Puerto Rico. Like I, I've I've gone back home to shoot pictures back home, American productions, and I've had people stop me and they go, "Hey, are you the brother?" And I and I know where the conversation's going. I just stop them and I go, "Yeah." yeah. He's famous for what? He's an incredible theater actor. Oh wow! So how would like he's just know like it? the bomb. Uh, like, just what productions are? Oh, so many plays. At least like I don't know. Just top of my head, like. <clears throat> He did Don Quixote. Okay. Like the national play and went around oh, the nice. world. And like, so yeah, it's like a just, touring production. Yeah, stuff. no, he's just like killer. He's That's just where the like big a, money is, the touring. He, he's just awesome. So anyways, back to the story. I, I finally moved to New York City. <laughs> this is so crazy. Okay, so I moved to New York City and I had two suitcases, 500 bucks. And I tell the taxi driver, it's September 1st, and I tell the taxi driver, hey man, take me to a Walmart. So he takes me to a Walmart in Queens. I think, yeah, in Queens. Okay. 
near uh, this town called Jamaica, Queens. Okay. Right? <laughs> so I buy a tent. I buy a $50 tent. And oh, it's, wow. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, I was super surfer right out of high school. Yeah. Film buff nerd. So you didn't have a place to stay. You didn't have a job. No, because Jordan, Jordan was moving in. Jordan was still in Puerto Rico partying it up in a yacht. <laughs> you know, Man, and I moved, like and I moved to New, and I moved to New York without speaking to him because I spoke to him during the summer, and I bumped into him, and he said, "Hey, are you gonna come to New York anytime?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I plan to." And he's like, "All right, you can catch, you can, you know, crash on my couch." That was it. That was my entire agreement and contract mm. with my best friend Jordan. But Jordan landed in in uh, September six, so for five days. <clears throat> so for five days, I went and I camped out. In a Korean neighborhood, and it was really beautiful. And then, oh. and then the second night, at yeah. like three in the morning, I'm not joking. There's like flashlights waking me up in my tent. I I'm like, oh my god, this is like close encounters. Holy shit! <laughs> right? It was the cops. Or? Yeah, it was the cops. Yeah, and the cops and the cops looked at me. He's like, hey man, you can't be here. You can't stay here. You gotta go back. And I'm like, you know, for some reason back then I didn't have like an accent whatsoever. Because I would speak English constantly when I was in Puerto Rico. So, like, I really passed as an Upper West Side, like, Jewish kid to them, <laughs> to yeah. them yeah. being rebellious to her, to uh, his or her parents, you know? Got you. So they, they were like, listen, bro, you got to go back home, man. Yeah. Like, I remember one of the cops was like, look, man, what are you, whatever you're going through, just go back home, bro. Yeah. And I'm like. Just grab your yarmulke and get out of here, buddy. Get the fuck out. <laughs> and then, no, but the funny part is, okay, so the, the sweet thing was. There was a woman across the street seeing all of this, and there was this Korean lady, and she invites me in. And, she, and I go, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, um, why don't you stay here for the night? If you like, for the next two or three days, you can stay, and you can just help me around. I walk in. Wow. I walk in. Her house is decked out with um, memorabilia from her son who passed away in the Gulf War, dude. And you looked exactly like him. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> and, and then I realized that I, that I my name was not Rafael. And then you realize this is your real mom. And then uh, you got an uh, A-list picture. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, dude, that was hilarious. Um, wow. Oh, and I just, yeah, it was kind of creepy. And I was like, oh, poor her. And I cleaned for her and I stayed there. And then Jordan landed and I went to, and then I took a taxi to West 4th and... University Plaza or something like that. And I got off the ca the cab. I just turned twenty, and I was like, "Man, the world!" You know, mm. you're so young, and you're like, "Yeah." When were you guys? When you were twenty, were you in Ohio? Yeah, we were in Ohio. Still in Ohio. In college. Still in Ohio. Yeah, in college. We moved out here after college. What about you? At Ray. twenty, I think I was working at a bank, man. Really? Yeah, I could totally see you. I was, <laughs> I right out of high school, I was working at a bank for I think. Five years or something? Oh, dude, that's awesome. So you think not people really. who work at banks are <laughs> Not skilled, really, dude. Yeah. I love that. Someone would be like, dude, that's awesome. You would have a lot of money. <laughs> and I was like, no, bro. It doesn't have I wouldn't be to do with sitting that. here right now if I did. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the way it works, man. Uh, but, dude, that's that's awesome, man. So, like, how did, what was it, what was, like, the uh, initial, I guess, was there any shock coming to, like, a huge city compared to Puerto Rico? Like, I mean, like, obviously, <clears> New York <throat> is a massive town. San Juan's you know, awesome, but yeah, when I when I mean when I landed in New York, it's a concrete York jungle, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's so. I, I was thinking about that this morning actually, um, but I was incredibly in awe and in love with New York City. Mm. Did you ever see that lady again? 
Uh, no, no, that would be a great visit, man. That would be so nice. That sounds well, unbelievable what you did. Yeah. It's kind of crazy, man. Sometimes I look back at it and I'm like, wow, dude, that's not like, whoa. <laughs> you know, that's like, <laughs> I do not recommend anyone to do that. But I'm very proud of it. And I remember there was a girl that wanted to have sex with me in San Juan. <laughs> Nothing new. And we dated. No, and we dated, and for some reason, apparently, she wanted to get with me. I didn't see the signs. I thought she just wanted to be a Well, friend. you were a film nerd. You could, come on, man. She was so hot, too. Dude. And she <laughs> she told me, hey, I, I got your message during New York, and I said, yeah, I'm actually staying tomorrow um, uh, with my friend Jordan. He moves back. And she's like, oh, great. Well, come to my house. You can stay here. There's an extra room. And I actually stayed in, in her extra room at her mom, super chill. So they gave me a roof from one night. The next day I went to New York City. Nice. And uh, I remember buying all the NYU books. And I remember getting a curriculum from this kid called Andy. He, he, had a, he was going in for directing and, pro and producing. And I couldn't afford new, uh, NYU. And I really wanted to be part of Tish. I really mm. was just like, God, dude, I really want to study in this school. You know, <clears throat> Martin Scorsese and all this bullshit. And I think by then, one of my favorite movies was Goodfellas. Great movie. Yeah, right? Never, and, never um, heard of it. Yeah, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. This is done. That's, and that's it. No, but the funny thing is that uh, when I was there, I crashed a cinematography class, man. And that's when it clicked. And I remember, I remember it was Kill Bill Volume Ooh, 1. Good. I like number two the best. You do? Because it's more of a story, right? It kind of has a lot of the parts of the story, yes, yes. Um, and then I remember having a laptop and just living in my friend's couch for so long, just trying to, like, educate myself and walk up and down Manhattan. Every time there was a spring break, I had to find a place to crash. So did you know that you wanted to be a cinematographer ahead of time? Like, you, you're no, like, I want to work in film, but you didn't know what you wanted to do, or...? No, I think it, I was 12 years old when I figured that I wanted to become a filmmaker. Mm. That just means like a director, right? As, as a right. director, correct. As a director, not as a producer, as a director, hands-on, fully. But <laughs> it wasn't until I saw that class, I went to that class, and then it clicked to me. It was like, oh, okay, so everything that I've always loved about cinema it's the cinematography. And, yeah. you know, and what is that? that? Do you like the picture that's created? I, I see the world in mute. I like to people watch and I like to observe because the reality is when you watch a movie in mute, it's cinematography. Once you bring in dialogue, then you mm. need a director. So <clears throat> I like to watch the world in mute. And usually the first question that goes through my head when I step on set is um, where I want my shadows. You know, so I when I go through when I go through the blocking and I listen to the blocking from a from my director when he's executing it, I'm just kind of observing where they're landing and kind of like the tonality of the color palette adjusted to that that particular moment. That's why I also think that being the cinematographer is so cool because you really are like the you know 
You're the scientist of the moment. Well, I mean, the whole movie is gonna. It's like it's gonna. You're shooting the whole thing, so you know your image of, of, is gonna be on there. Like that's what people yeah. are gonna see. So like that's what a whole movie is. I mean, it's a yeah, big part of you know, it. It's a huge part of it. Absolutely, and you know, depending on the lens, depending on the on how it feels, you know, where you put the camera, it feels this way. How close you put the camera, what lens you use, how tighter, wider, and right. why this color, why this highlight, you know, all this stuff. And, What's a movie that you think, um, like, really, like, this is the kind of cinematography I like, this is the kind of movie that inspires me? Like, Oh, my God, that's a tough one, but... Or it doesn't have to be... <clears> well, I can, give, I can give you a few, I can give you a few. From a, from a cinematographer's point of view, or, or, yeah. or you mean, yeah. like, in overall? It's, yeah, inspires you as a cinematographer. Oh, as a DP? Yeah. Um, seven. Mm-hmm. That's a great I think I think I think anyone in their DP career who's who's a DP has has come across a time in their career where they have someone suggest, "Hey, can you make it look like 7?" Really? Oh. I think so. I think well, so. What I, is it about that? It's just a very beautiful, well-done, gritty low-light look. Yeah. That <clears throat> that if you nail it, everything else is easy. It's actually harder to shoot darker than it is to shoot brighter, in mm. my opinion. But obviously, you know, it just depends. It's all relative. It depends on the script. Right. At right. the end of the day, it's all about the script. Yeah. Every time I read the script, I read a script to have my own interpretation. I, I bring that in, I bring that interpretation to the director, but I, but it's his vision. He's the author of yeah. the book, so therefore I, I Im, embed my vision towards his. Right. So and whatever see, they want, and you're, see, trying yeah. you're trying to yeah. achieve it. You're trying to achieve it. Yeah. Yeah, and see and see what happens. You know. So you didn't. So you formally didn't really go to film school other than that one class, right? No, I honestly I crashed it. It was five months crashing in and out. Yeah. If I if I really if I really put it together, it was like five months of of, of in and out. But again, in and out within within like. See uh, that that beer is finally kicking in, dude. I love it. I put that <laughs> I put that stuff it's, in there, and it's, it's like. And then you drift off. Hey, you want to want another by the way? I would love another. One. I got. You. Can we you do this? Yeah. We're doing it live. We're doing it live. This is the best show ever. <laughs> Pretty chill. Oh, yeah, that's hey, that, a hangout. That sound bite. Get that sound bite on there. Yeah, you guys want to order some food? Or? Yeah, actually, we got a. Um, oh. Actually, that woman that you said at the house with, she's actually here, by the way. Whoa. Surprise guest. Hey, Come on do, in. Do you imagine, no. dude? Her and name was she, Gladys, by the way. And she's like remember. my mother. She's <laughs> like, listen, we got to talk. I'm actually your mom. <laughs> and for some reason, I'm like, that explains a lot. Yeah. She, she stole my ficus plant. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, man, that's really cool. But um, so then how did you eventually gravitate toward working on a set? You're in New York. I'm in New York and I'm, and I'm and all that. I'm in New York and I'm hustling, dude. I remember I would like um, go to Kinkos and I would print like fuck. I would have like forty five resumes, and then I would walk up and down Manhattan between crashing school mm. five months periodically. So I would have to do five months disappear for two months and then go back five months because it's fucking it's illegal. Whoa. It's illegal. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so the way that it happened for me, it was that I, one of the nights that it was spring, my best friend Jordan, they all had to leave. And I had, uh, I used to, I, I was really good at having an apartment and then I would lose them because just, just work was so tough. And being 20 or 21 in New York City without any financial backbone 
working yeah. in retail, you're like bound for disaster. So you're usually living in that four bedroom apartment right. where you pay for one room and you don't know anyone in your house. You could die any night, any yeah. night. That knife is gonna come. That's Same the as romance. LA. That's the romance. That's the romance. You just have to ballet. You just gotta <laughs> warm up your shoes and go to sleep. You know? So, by the way, they're looking for a roommate. If you, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know. I'm just oh, for real? Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> no, but um, the thing was that once he went on a spring break, I got sick, and I remember going to work, and I worked at Quicksilver in Times Square at a retail. Uh, Wait, Quicksilver, the seafood place, right? Quicksilver, the no. <laughs> I was thinking Wait, of Quicksilver, uh, the superhero. <laughs> yeah. Long John, yeah, Silver. Long John Silver. Set. That's right, the clothing store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember now. <laughs> We're surfing, man. <laughs> yeah, I remember now. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> I just pictured one because we have Long John. In, I was working in Nintendo. Wait, Nintendo, the the, the, the biochemical <laughs> prostitution <laughs> house. <laughs> exactly. Well, you have one too. I had one too. I have two memberships. Nice, nice. So I was working in Quicksilver, and I was making four hundred and fifty bucks biweekly. Nice, you made it. It was I was killing it, right? So it was like basically food and rent. That was it. But obviously, when you're young, you're like "Mm, rent or or, clothes or kicks, (laughs) (laughs) and then you would go for the kicks. But that particular time was interesting because that spring break, Jordan left. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to find a place to crash for this this whole week. And that was and that was usually OK because I would have friends and and I would trade. Uh, hey, I'll cook for you if I can crash in your house and all that shit. Um, gelato. Gelato. I'll make some gelato for you. And um, I got sick. And I remember my friend, uh, my friend tells me, come to my church and I'll help you out. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, god damn it! I don't want to deal. I know, but I'm like, I don't want to deal with the religion right now, dude. I'm like, I'm like dying. I'm not <laughs> I have a fever, and I have a pl- <laughs> you know, I'm 21, and I want to find a place to sleep. Yeah, and I want to watch Kill Bill Volume One. You know, <laughs> so I get to the church, and I remember it's one of these church that you give 10 percent of your income to. Yeah, and and they and I go upstairs and I storm up upstairs. There's a shitload of beds available, and I'm like, oh my god, I, I, want, I really want to sleep. <laughs> And I don't go, but I ask permission. My friend comes out. He's like, oh, yeah, he's my friend. Please help him. I'm going to go rehearse for the band. Ta-ta. I remember he did ta-ta. I remember he did. He said ta-ta. Pretentious. Very pretentious. Yeah. A ta-ta is a very pretentious thing. Sure. Anyone listening to this, if you ever tell anyone ta-ta. I'll stop saying that. Sorry. You're screwing people over. And you know what? If you don't agree, if you disagree with that, let us know in the comment section. Yeah. But basically, uh, he left, and the the church guy said, "Look, we can't help you." I'm like, "You have a bunch of beds upstairs. Why can't I just stay upstairs?" Selfish. Well, why can't they help you? He goes, "All oh, those beds are those beds are taken," and I'm like, "You're the devil." And he's like, <laughs> You're the devil, and I'm like, "I am." Yeah. Oh, wow. and then, no, no, no. So basically, he's like, "But I'll call you a cab." So he called me a cab, which you'd have to pay for. Or? No, he paid. For it. <laughs> just get the he, hell out of here. He yeah. paid for it, but check this out: I lost my shoe. In the cab because they threw me in the cab because I was dying of a fever. Oh wow! The cab takes me to St. Mary's Joseph Hospital. They didn't want liability on 60th and Columbus Circle. Look this up. I swear to God, or 59th Street and Columbus Circle. I love that you all were about to look oh, for somebody a pen do it. I love this. Down the phone. But whoever's listening to this, this is true. And I get there, and when I get to the to to the ER, I the woman looks at me like, "Wow, you look like shit." 
And I'm like, yeah, okay. So they take me to the back. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Is that a medical yeah. diagnosis? <laughs> yeah, right? So <laughs> I get a diagnosis. And then she puts me in the bed. And the fever and the back pain and everything, they, had, they thought I had meningitis. Ooh. So I didn't know what meningitis was, but all I knew is that it, it kills you in three days. Yeah. And it's an uncontrollable fever that attacks your bones and you rot away. I don't know what happens. Pretty right? much the worst thing ever. Pretty much the Ebola virus times two. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not times two because the Ebola virus is it's pretty bad. Times 1.5. Yeah. It's at least 1.5. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we're in the hospital. They flip me over and they tap my spinal tap and, and I come out negative. The night was a, a blur. I leave the hospital at five in the morning. It's drizzling. The, the sun's coming out. I'm walking towards the subway station. Golden hour, right? Go, no, no, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's at the end. It, the sun's coming up. I take the subway back to NYU area because I have a way to crash in through the building because there was one of the guards that just would let there me in. Go. Right? So I say, like, I'll fucking sleep in the library, bro. There give, you go. Give me a book. <laughs> right? I go back, and as soon as I come out of the library, kid you not, there was a massive production a block away from NYU. What and production I, was it? It was, check this out, it was Rain Over Me mm, by Adam, Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler, yeah. It's a good film. That was the actual first time that I ever got hired on a feature. Or, like, not on a feature. By but Walking actual, By. And well, Don Cheadle, by the way. And Don Cheadle. And it was yeah. a very depressive film. But I remember. You stole his lunch. I walked by. And I went. And I had my spiel, as usual. Because I, I would walk up and down Manhattan. All right. What is your pitch? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're, we're producers in Hollywood. Yeah. Give us your, your pitch to get on set. Remember like, those 45 copies of resumes? Yeah. Right? So my spiel was, hi, my name is Rafael Leva. I would love to work for you for free. I'm currently studying film. And if there's anything I can do for you, please let me know. Like that, but just like straight up See, holding holding the resume yeah. or handing it in in front of an AD, a production manager, or or a key set PA. Mm. And so, that was kind of like those three were my aim. But if I could get the first AD, that was the best part. Right. That was you my know? question. And... Um, and you know, after the ninetieth try, they looked at me and they go, "Sure." And what? then, nice. And then I went. My first mission ever, guys, was um, bring to the go coffee hot. Get yeah, get no. The coffee. Well, what, what was I was, job? What was my first job? job ever was to get seventeen coffees. The last one to make sure I order it last. You know what I mean? Like there was a specific coffee that I had to order last. Adams. And then, yeah. So then hot, I come right? back when I come back with the coffees. And I thought I, I took a long time. I thought I was fired. I thought these fucking people. They don't think I'm coming back. Yeah, they yeah. think I just stole the money. <laughs> yeah. I come back. I was still wearing the hospital bracelet, dude. I remember that. <laughs> Damn. I remember this. And I remember That's wearing. That's why they hired you. They're like, I, oh, my, this guy's yeah, really. This guy's a heroin. Struggling. <laughs> we won't have to pay him. He's not going to make it. Yeah. If he comes back with a coffee, then he's hired. Then he's hired. We thought he was going to take 20 bucks and just never come back. <laughs> So the the you know the Starbucks let's say is a thousand feet away, a block away from the actual set. I finally come and get all the coffees, and I walk back with all the coffees, like a giant tower of coffee. What does Adam get? And Adam gets um, I don't think I don't remember what it was, but it was it was a big one. It's a venti. <laughs> <clears throat> he needs it. I'm and he and then the AD comes over and says, hey. Uh, Raph, hold on. Hey, Kevin, come over. And Kevin comes over and, Ke and tells Kevin, take all these coffees away from Raphael. Raphael, take this one coffee, knock on that door, 
and give it to that and give it to that talent and anything they need you stand by the door and you let me know you say copy yes sir or you know 101 is to p 102 right. is to shed 103 yeah. is both 104 yeah. is every orifice right you know and it goes on 105 right? he's dying 107 i had a 107 the other day what's a 107 it's kind of like when you like i can't talk about it Whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Uh, whoa. I mean, he's ten like, seven. He's like, even you guys are rated R. You know? <laughs> <laughs> ten seven is like everything, dude. It's like literally he's going to cry. Semen. Wow. Semen. <laughs> sneeze. Uh, drool. Have you ever seen a ten seven? He had one the other day. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's his hang. It was himself. <laughs> hey, guys, it's a ten seven. Hey, guys, I did it. Make the shot. Make the shot. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, for real, that was not I knock on the door on the trailer. Give him his and uh, knock on the door. The trailer door opens, and it's Adam Sandler. I kid you not. You what, know, I've always say, said. Man? I've always said, as soon as I get an opportunity to to meet Adam again, I'm gonna tell him he's gonna freak. He's gonna love it because he's a really nice guy. Mm. And I remember it was drizzling, and he told me, "Come in, come in." And so I walk in. You know. I'm homeless, technically, because I can't sign into my NYU dorm because I'm a couch guy in the NYU dorm, and all my personal belongings are there. And and um, I'm now in this trailer for an A-list actor from Hollywood. Dude, this trailer was ridiculous. This trailer's as, as big as this apartment right now. Wow. Yeah. It was insane. For that door to open and then have a trailer this big, you're, yeah, you're a working actor, Johnny. It's, it's, are you both actors, yeah, too? Yeah, yeah. So you We're guys... working. Never had a trailer this big, so I can only But imagine, imagine yeah. a trailer the size of this I've apartment. Seen the ones right like folds out and gets That's this. That's yeah. that would that was like his. And it was like this massive TV CNN is on. And he's talking to his wife and his two lovely daughters and super nice family again. To invite you in, that's really nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. I go, I'm always I'm kid you not, I swear, going live on this. Mark my words, if I see or meet Adam Sandler, I will tell him. Hey, dude, I brought you coffee, bro. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't you don't have to because he's watching right now. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate Com- that. Comment below. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the goat, dude. That's a sweet story, though, man. Yeah, and that's how that's how it started. I worked on that film. Then they called me for another film, and then almost every Happy Madison production that went through town would wow. call me. But I was an awful PA. I mean, I was just the worst. Were I you was, always Adam's guy? Or? No, I was just I just. I was just reliable because I would get the mission done, but I was so fully in love with cameras. I was so attracted by camera. There wasn't a chance. And there to was like no help out way. No, there was department. No, there was. It was so hard to break into yeah. camera department. Yeah, especially we're looking into the mid two thousands where film was still in the horizon. Yeah, so it was a lot more militant and it was a lot more disciplined. It was a lot a lot more difficult mm. for anyone to jump into a camera department. It would have to be through nepotism. Which still works, but it's very different nowadays. Nobody yeah. records on film now, or oh, I shoot on film all the time. I still shoot. Film's still superior. Yeah. Did you guys shoot uh, Last Rampage on film? That was a digital. I film. shot Last Rampage on Ari Raw. Okay. Uh, that is digital capture. I shot on Ari Raw, uh, two point eight K, and I did the color in Photocam. Mm. Photocam is amazing. They've been really incredible to me. Panavision, Photocam, 
and Kodak have been really incredible too. The, the footage on that movie looked really. Incredible. I think honestly, really nice, man. thanks, man. Looked, I really appreciate really good, that. Dude. I think honestly, out of all my pictures, that's one of the one of the, I would say I'm the most proud of because. I mean, just working with Dwight Little is incredible. He's a, yeah. he's a proper studio picture director, and it makes, a, it makes a huge difference. He knows what you know. He knows what he wants. He's been around the block for thirty years. Yeah. You know. And yeah, he, he's he, he's he experienced. Shot, he, yeah, he shot like every bad. Like he made what's his name, dude? I forgot. Super cool action guy, Steven Seagal. He made Mark for Dad, dude, and then he made. You know that broke Steven Seagal's career. And yeah, and then he made the Free Willies, and then he made all the oh, probably our favorite action films from the nineties. Totally, Free Willies. He made? The Rock. The Rock. You made um, The Rock. Well, it was Michael Bay. It was Michael. Yeah, Michael Bay. That was Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little, Austin's a little just throwing it. Yeah, yeah. Just He's throwing like, it. yeah, yeah. You know, I was just naming every Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> Jurassic this is my Park. Favorite film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Did it Spielberg? Nah, 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 nah. nah whatever, whatever. No. Nah, that that was. <laughs> Actually, yeah. The Rock is the best one from the nineties, <laughs> early two thousands. Dude, so okay, all right, so man, you're you're working on set with Adam Sandler. How do you finally like? Now you're shooting. You're actually DPing your own movie. Like, how did? How many years was it between then and? It's been really fifteen years in the in the trajectory because I started. I, I fell in love with cinematography when I was twenty. It it, it really happened. As soon as I landed, it was like really funny. It was like I walked into that room and I was like, "What the fuck?" I what were they showing? <laughs> what were they talking about? It was Kill Bill Volume One, and it was like it was like theory of camera language and something I forgot. But um, New York City, those four, the first three and a half years of New York City, to me was life. Bachelor's degree. I found myself as a man. As who am I? Whoa. What do I love? What I will be for the rest of my life? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, that question. Hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? Right. Um, And then it was when I moved to Los Angeles, December 2007, during the writer's strike. I actually sold. It's so funny. I'm wearing this. I didn't realize you were going to ask me this fucking question. But this 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 watch I'm wearing, I sold this watch to a Dominican guy. In Washington Heights in the winter of 2007 to buy a one-way ticket to come to to, New, to, to, to come LA. to Los Angeles, mm. and wow. I moved to Los Angeles December 18th, 2007. Wow! And in Los Angeles, kid you not, a couple days later, I go uh, to a Hanukkah party. Go figure. <laughs> and and uh, there was this really cool old guy in the room, and he was wearing a Panavision sweater, and I was like, Dude, this guy's fucking badass. I gotta say something to him. I mean, hey, hello, right, not, dude? I'm 23 now or 24, so I I I go <clears throat> my 24 my 24 year old version of me would probably said something like, "Bro, yeah, bro, <laughs> hey, Genesis, awesome," and it's just like I left, like it was just like <laughs> that, right? Because he was wearing a Panavision Genesis camera sweatshirt, and then I kid you not, two hours later, I have the most intense. Deep conversation, cinematography conversation with this guy, Mm. right? This guy at the end, he's like, Raphael, I haven't met someone so enthused and interested in cinematography in a while. (laughs) You you know so much and you're so young, (laughs) you know, and whenever you're ready. And I remember he stands up, he was about to leave and shit. He stands up, he's like, whenever you're ready, you know, come, um, give me a visit, come and visit. And he shakes my hand, you know. Like in the mob, and he passes me a business card. 
And it was trippy because it, when you feel it, it's kind of weird. When it happens. I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah, when it happens, it's like, this is fucking weird, dude. Yeah. Right? And and the door closes, and, and I flip my hand, and I look at the card, and it was the vice president of Panavision. Whoa. And that was uh, Andy Ramanoff, and that, that's truly my mentor. Wow. I, I, that guy changed my life. That guy yeah. changed my life completely. That's awesome, dude. For my birthday, a couple months after, he invited me to Panavision to shadow a DP called Shelly Johnson. Okay. Shelly Johnson, ASE. And, and a year ago, around this time, I took out Shelly Johnson out to lunch because we both were prepping feature films in Louisiana. Wow. So it was really neat. And we, we it was really, that was actually really Full neat circle. for me. Yeah, it was really yeah. neat. Yeah, actually, I, I like that. And, um, but Andy was my first mentor. And then I was introduced to Panavision. And that's, and then to me, that became my church. So I, I would take buses from Hollywood to Woodland Hills. You know how far that is, dude? Like that's probably like a two hour ride, man. Dude, it sucks. Yeah. It's almost like three, actually. But it's the worst, bro. We should do a podcast on a bus. Hey, bro, it's, it's literally the worst. And I would spend time in Panavision just meeting people and practicing with cameras and, and, and testing every lens. And, you know, and I think um, less than a year, or a couple months after I came to L.A., I met another mentor who his name is John Filippo. He was a line producer in a music video, and, and he saw me bust my ass off. And he knew what I knew more than normal PAs. And mm. he was just like, dude, you rock. Uh, let's stay in touch. He calls me. Two years later, wow. and he tells me, "I'm gonna build my own production company, and we're gonna ramp. We're gonna rep the big budget international commercial directors of the world. Would you like to be the office PA manager, or whatever, of the production company?" And I said, "Yeah, dude. I was 25, and I, I had not like I needed the money, right? You know, steady gig. I was doing little DP gigs on the side, but they really sucked. I mean, they were just horrible. <laughs> like you know." Right. We've all been there as actors. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's the well, same the thing. Beginning, yeah, you're all doing like stuff. It's the same thing for everyone, yeah. right? You start somewhere. So, <clears throat> and um, and Jeepo was, Jeepo was basically like, we have a $1 million budget for the production company. Here's a business card. Go buy and go buy the necessary needs that you think that we will need in the next couple years for as far as cinematography and they start rapping the biggest top fucking directors in the world. So I go with a credit card and I go buy all the DSLRs. And that's when the 5D movement exploded. <clears throat> I didn't have any friends. I didn't want any friends, actually. My favorite thing in the world was to work from 9 to 5 in the production company. And when it was closed, I would stay in the studio lot. Mm. So I would, instead of walk up and down Manhattan, I would now walk up and down the studio, studio. lots. And try to get jobs. Trying to get jobs wow. and give away my resume. Yeah. And I would do that nonstop for a year or two in, in Los Angeles. Broke to, broke into many studio lots. And the trick was that every time I booked something, I would I would take the food that's left over because there's so much food on set. Yeah. That leftover I would give it to the guards. Oh really? Yeah. So, so every they time would let you back. So on. when they would see me, they don't even want my ID. I just wave at them. Wow. So that's then it became You're a real hustler. So, Oh, dude, it's literally my life. Wow, yeah, that's a good yeah. idea. And 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 uh, and that's how it. 
And that's how really it started. I remember walking, I remember booking a, a PA gig on, um, without a trace in the Warner Brothers lot. And I worked one PA gig and they didn't need me the next day. Dude, I stayed in that lot. I'm not joking. I think like two more days. <laughs> really? I was so stinky by the time that I left. Yeah. Because I was like, all right, I got to go home. Yeah. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And And it's... I don't know. It's a lifestyle. You really got to right. love it. Well, you do have to hustle for sure. So I, I love cinema. So I, to me, it felt really natural. It's always, it's always felt very natural, my approaches to how to achieve certain, you know, certain things. But you always right. need help. Jeepo made it happen because within that production company, I, I had all these cameras. And and I had all these cameras. And in the production company at, at, at night... You know, all these big top fucking directors, they would su- they would see me on, on the floor with all these lenses. And I'm like, what's up with that K? And I was like, oh, no, he has, has a great eye, whatever. <laughs> right? So what would happen is in the big budget commercials that they would produce, I would volunteer. And for free, I would be the set photographer. So my first days Stuff on set was really set photography. Mm. And the reason why... and. Uh, I got to the point where, like, I knew the math, and I would match the math of the cinematographer's camera with my still camera, and take incredible, you know, and take really beautiful, pretty cinematic pictures. What yeah. do you mean you match the math? Well, cinematography's math. So if you really find the equation, and and get the and 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 level out the right exposure. To me, I look at cinematography like like cooking, like being a chef. You have all these ingredients, but you gotta put it all together so right. the plate looks the plate tastes like really good for in cinematography so it visually looks really good and and it looks seamless and and you know and and I remember um taking that and applying it to um my set photography and then it got to a point where like the agency saw the stills and they were like fuck dude well let's get this angle and then this shot and they're like no 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 we don't have that as footage that was just like the set photographer oh yeah <laughs> wow. and they're like oh shit well that kid needs to be a camera operator right wow. and then all these directors in that production company they would request for me to be the second Same. unit shooter oh, or a nice. ca- or a camera, camera operator sometimes yeah. and i would work many times there was a period in my life there was a period in my first years, I would say in the first five years of L.A., I can honestly say I would have a fake name in a call sheet because certain producers would want me, but I was in union yet, mm. you know? And So that's how they got you. And, yeah, and Hollywood was going through such a transition. We're looking at 2010 to through, to, through 2013. That era was a significant point in the world of cinematography, especially in Hollywood, mm. because all the really great shooters and big DPs were leaving film and entering digital. Yeah. And then yeah. and then the new generation of shooters coming in just from a digital end. Right. Mm. You know, and that's how the flood the market got flooded. Now there's like every like everybody's a shooter. Now right? it's like every oh my mom and dad bought me an Alexa, I'm on a DP. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that retarded. on before. They're like, yeah, I bought a, you know, I bought an Alexa, or I bought like a Red, and it's like you can do it with your phone. Yeah, I don't know, and I'm just, I'm just gonna do something Duplass with it. Plus, brothers like, did it with their, yeah. their phone. Oh, whatever it is. No, man, it really. I'm not joking. It's shocking, but it happens so much. So, so it you really went does. from. So, how did you go from eventually starting to shoot uh, the low budget indies, like let's say Sinister Squad, to then shooting 
Last Rampage. How did you end up getting Last Rampage? I got Last Rampage. And also, would you mind setting up the clip that you brought as well? Yeah. Uh, play the clip, Bill. Play the clip, my imaginary friend. <laughs> Who's Bill? We're watching the clip right now. No, but the last oh, rampage. We, we're just kidding. That has the guy from. <laughs> Who's the guy from the Terminator in the last rampage? You know, that's a Robert big, Patrick. That's a big man. movie. Robert Patrick is yeah. awesome. He's I a great dude, Robert. man. I worked with him on Scorpion. Oh yeah, yeah. you did. Yeah. yeah. No, I love Robert. Um, I had a line producer that hit me up, and I was in Mississippi shooting a short film for this uh, for this new director, and. And I told the line producer, I was like, hey, man, that sounds great. Like, please put me in the list. Like, yeah. you know, and this director, Dwight, I mean, it's interesting because I went into it being like, I'm not going to get this. <laughs> like, yeah. Dwight's insane. And so for <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people, Dwight is such a big director. For people that don't know, and even for like for us, right. like when... You know, a director is considering a DP. Like, how does it work? They just throw up a couple names in the hat, and they just yeah, decide they usually, what it's going to be. Or directors directors usually have like their top three, right? They usually work with the same people for the most part. You know, yeah, they get a script and it's attached, and they get cast, and they're like, okay, great. So let's look at the DP. You know, what DP do you want, and why do you want that DP, and blah 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 blah. And it mostly has to do too with the relationship you have with these directors. Some of them. Some of them, you, right? Yeah, yeah some of them you trust. have such a great relationship and you work together. It's such an important, like, it's a really important factor in filmmaking. A lot of people don't understand it, but the marriage between a director and DP it has to be, like, incredible, man. I've had so many directors where, like, I just know that this is just a gig. Mm. You know what really? I mean? Yeah, because you bump into people that either they suck or, or just yeah. they're not in the same... Yeah, just nothing. pace of you, right? And then you see it in the post, and then you just see it, and you just walk away because you can't politically, you can't, you don't want to be rude. You should never be rude, or, or you should, right. you know. And you also have to play the political game. Honesty can get you, you know, can bite you in the ass. So you have to like, yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so all that stuff, you know, and and uh, Sinister Squad is a perfect uh, example it's of a that. Classic film. I loved it. It's a classic film, yes, man. Shit, dude. I would <laughs> fucking get a tattoo right now. It's not too late. If man. I were you listeners, I would fucking go to South Central, buy some crack, and get a tattoo. I'm just kidding. Send it in. Whoa, send, whoa. send in those pics as well. I'd love to see them. Did they ask you to shoot Race, the second please. one? What did you say? Did they ask you to shoot the second one? Did they do a second one? They, I, they did, yeah. But Oh, wow. I, See, now I'm pissed. They wanted <laughs> want Johnny to star. I, we I, should I didn't go. do it, but I was, really? I, I was doing something else. So Did they ask you to do it? They asked me to be, to, to do it. Actually, Jeremy. I was joking about the crack yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah. That's so hilarious. Jeremy hit me. Remember Jeremy, right? Obviously. Yeah, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy's cool, man. Um, I yeah, like working cool with guy. Jeremy. Um, yeah, cool he, he told me that he was writing another one and that they were no going to do it. And uh, <laughs> ca casting called me and they were like, hey, man, it. we want you to do uh, bring back old Rumple." And I was like, when are you guys shooting? It was like during Christmas. Yeah. And I was like, man, I got like a vacation plan and I got yeah. all this other stuff going on. I was like, I can't do it. Yeah, you're like, so they were I can't, I can't hold my life <laughs> for five dollars. Yeah, my life. I was like, you're giving me like a like a week notice or something. Yeah, like, some have, ridiculous production. You know, I was like, I can't, man. Yeah, yeah. No, but you know that's where we all cut our teeth. And I think to answer your question, because of that set photography with those directors, 
I started shooting more on the side and I started building my reel. And I think by 2012, I shot my first feature and then I, and I kind of became who I wanted to be, which is kind of tricky dudes, because by the way, I wouldn't say it's the fucking, you know, it's the healthiest route to take for DPs or to, very, to shoot stuff. The, the narrative DP uh, oh, route. What do you mean? Because it's a more lonelier and darker route. Okay. And for uh, other DPs, you could do music videos and, commercials um and make really good money but then but then it's tricky people don't consider you for to get on the other side exactly right right so now it's finally paying off the last three three years has been great and when i got that call from the line producer he says i'm gonna put your name on it and we're gonna go on a meeting and you're gonna go on an interview and it's gonna be proper and i remember i remember walking in getting super prepared read it in a hotel in mississippi I was like, this script is so cool, man. This is so cool. And it's based in 1978. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's a timepiece. Oh, this is awesome. Blah, 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 blah. And then, yeah, I went through the interview period. The first round, I thought I thought I didn't get it. I don't know if I was nervous or I just, the way that me and Dwight met because he was a little bit late. And um, called and him I, out on it. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> it. We're family. We we break bread a lot. Like he says, he's like an incredible guy, and I love him to death. He changed my life, man. He really did. Because I know there were other big DPs involved. Mm. I know for sure. I actually found out after. I was like, what? Like this motherfucker has like. So why do you think um, he decided to go with you over the other guys? I think it has to do with maybe my approach. Because I remember, I remember him seeing my my reel, and he was like. See, this is all good and great. This is all beautiful and all that stuff. And it was a third round. Mm. It was a third round that I went through. Because at first it was like 15 DPs. And then of those 15 DPs, they narrowed down like five or seven. And I was included in that. And then it was just between three. And you think because of your reel? That's um, the whole package. The whole package. I think it was kind of like the whole package. Just me kind of like just... I don't know. There's a difference. You know, when you work with someone else, it's like really into the project. You can tell. Yeah. The passion. The passion of Christ. <laughs> I got it because of the passion of Christ, people. <laughs> Mel Gibson. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Mel Gibson, my agent, got me the, the passion of Good Christ. Good man. What's yeah. he doing now? Yeah. No, but. Daddy's home. Hacksaw Ridge, too. The Beaver. Right. <laughs> that was a good movie. I like that. The Beaver. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I like that movie. I watched it. <laughs> yeah, something. No, but then that Jodie Foster is great. Yeah, Jodie Foster is great. Was Jodie Foster awkward pause? <laughs> Wasn't she in Contact though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. first Contact. I love I Contact. Love that movie. Yeah, yeah, I fucking so love Contact. And she's a good director too. Matthew hey guys, speaking really? of yeah. Contact, uh, we had a lot of viewers contact us on Reddit on our social media platforms. DP questions. And we have questions DP questions. For the DP. Yeah. Oh wow! So Let's we're going to let you tackle so. these real quick. Yeah, and if you have a question out there and you want to submit it to our future guests or us, please uh, hit us up at Surviving Hollywood Podcast on all social media or on Gmail as well. Please, guys, ask us questions. It's my day off. <laughs> That's right. So we have three here, and then about three yeah. from the text. Where are these questions coming from? The, the, from actual people that are interested in online. Being, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Reddit. I got these on Reddit. <laughs> Your answer would be like actual, uh, uh, actual people, people in prison. Uh, we pulled. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Hey, wherever they're watching, that's I don't fine. care. Yeah. Hey, man. All right. Uh, this is a question. I'm not sure the guy's name. I'm a cinematographer, 25 years old. 
about four professional years of experience. Did he ask this question? I'm are just you, kidding. Are you 25? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> right, that caught me up. 25-year-old self. That was really funny. I was like, <laughs> am I 25? <laughs> right now, I am a big fish in a small regional pond, and I want to move to L.A. slash a bigger pond ASAP. When is the right time? What do I need to know? Huh. Well, first off, congrats on being the big pond. I mean, the big, big fish, fish in a small pond because yeah. I have friends like that and they really hold on to it. I would say hold on to that. That's beautiful. We're living in an era. It's now 2019. I started this quest of becoming a cinematographer when, what, 2004. So this person who made this question, you're 25 years old, buddy. You're ahead of the curve. I would hold on to that, you know, because your generation has the lead way and has the... Um, the privilege of digital where you can work remotely from certain places. And that's why a lot of the tax incentives come from these different states, which is where right. I Hollywood is producing a lot more feature films outside of town yeah. than in, in town. It's only because of tax incentives. Why? Because of digital, because you don't need a film lab close by mm -hmm. to develop and process your film for dailies. You just send a footage. So yeah. wh whoever this person is, buddy, I'm, I'm stoked that you're the big fish in, in the small pond. I would hold on to that. And if you want to move out to L.A., I would do it when you have a job when and you could maybe network and do it from where you're at right now. Nice. Or I would set up meetings and come out for a week, crush them, you know. But where, the, where does this person, can we tell we where are they from? Live. I assume Columbus. I, I, <laughs> I always wish we have more details. Okay, uh, cool. Where are you? He's yeah. no longer with us. Um, his, uh, okay. he's, living in a, he's, he's living in a tent and on sunset right now. That's how you he's do like, it. man, That's if I'd only heard this advice sooner. This guy's killing it. All right, good. Next question. All right. Uh, I have worked, I work right now as a cinematographer slash focus puller. Uh, still learning every day. I can't seem to talk with actors. I'm assuming when he's a cinematographer, uh, they don't seem to respect what I say. How do I, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I, oh my I guess, God. <laughs> I guess from a. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he so, has some so, sort of opinion. So the weird thing is he just, that was the question. They don't <laughs> seem to respect what I say. Question mark. Okay, well, look, first off, buddy, <laughs> dude or doodad. I think it's a dude. I think. Okay. Um, never tell anyone that people don't respect you because I've learned it the hard way, and it's weird, but on set, you really, it, whether it's in our, in our industry or not, in Hollywood, you kind of, like, have to, like, um, whoever disrespects you, just got to let it brush off because it becomes a disrespect where, where it becomes, you know, that whole like bullshit turns into a thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So for his answer is first off, you're not supposed to be talking to actors unless you're spoken to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But or, as a cinematographer, not as a, we should talk as, to the director. I, 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 as a DP do not speak to my act to, to the actors unless I'm spoken to first. And unless the director uh, already introduces me, but that's that's how I roll. I guess and that's actually better too because then they love you, and right? Especially with the, and the director's know. the one you need, like he's the one that you need to. Yeah. To. So to me, it's like, hey, buddy, you know, first off, you should like not be so chatty. Don't worry so right. Don't worry so much about <laughs> being chatty with the directors. I mean, with the actors, focus more on your craft. 
Is it you do that because you know as an actor, a lot of times if you get multiple different things coming at you, you don't know what to do. It's just better to um, than one source of information. No, it's no, it's just simply that that actors like cinematographers are not they're not supposed to a proper cinematographer doesn't speak to the actors. Directors are the only one that speaks to the actors, and if you if you speak to the actor, it's for technical purposes. For example, right, like hey, where you're landing, it's gorgeous missing the mark or something but there's a little like little nose shadow that you look amazing but just in case if you really <laughs> want your power shot if you land left on your hip and just right here on this mark you'll look fucking stellar Yep. And actors appreciate that. Actors are like, fuck yeah, dude. I For love sure. that. Who's this DP? <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. So I, wait, so I think Who's that, that Rumbles kid? <laughs> <laughs> Does their voice get that deep too? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> See? So, I like question. That, 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 was good, good. that was a good answer. I like it. Yeah. All right, cool. We're going to jump on over. Who gave you these questions, Johnny? Uh, these were uh, other filmmakers. Big Fish and Little Pond were. Reveal Yourself. <laughs> yes. I haven't read these ahead of time, so you just asked. Um, let's take a look and see. Um, all right. Um, what do you wish more directors would do to make your job easier? Just be better directors. Heavily Stay out of my way. If you don't know, you'll never. No, <laughs> just be better directors, really. Oh, oh whoa. Okay. Easy. Yeah. Ouch. I thought no. you said respect everybody. Hold on a second. No, no, I am. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm no. kidding. Let me yeah. answer that better. It's a practical I think- thing. No, the thing, the thing that's a very relative, that's a very relative question because it has to do with, I guess, a director who's not doing well. But when you have a director that's like incredibly professional and knows his shit, like a true film director, like he knows about every department, but a lot, um, then you're safe and you don't have to change anything, you know? Good. <clears throat> I actually had, an, I had a question to kind of come off of that. So... All right, you've worked on Last Rampage, so you had like Robert Patrick, Heather Graham. We all know who they are. She's great. Um, And also you uh, DP'd The Oath on Crackle, a couple episodes of that. Yeah. So what would you say is like, okay, thinking about those. Have you guys watched it? No, I I haven't seen it before. I I, I really want people's opinion, but. We've seen the trailer. It looks looks really cool. We watched The Rampage in preparation. Yeah, I've seen The Last Rampage. I would say The Oath is my first picture where. It was it was not about the cinematic. It was more about like the the format, you know. Okay, of whatever they needed of, for the of, show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you have to match whatever the, the rest of the right. Because it's a TV like. show. It's a showrunner. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a different TV is different. Yeah, the director is not the most powerful guy on set. It's mm. it's the showrunner, the showrunner, producers, and stuff like and that. And the producers, yeah, and the writers are gods, and the DPs usually used more for the look, for the aesthetics, to keep right. it. To keep it um, consistent. Stay consistent. Yes, correct. Okay. Nice. So, okay, working on those two types of productions, which are obviously higher caliber, where we all want to be at, what would you, what did you notice in terms of the actors compared to like actors working on low budget stuff? Like, what about them sets them apart from like actors that are working on these lower budget things? Like, is it the professionalism? Like, they just know their shit? Like, it's just the professionalism, really. Yeah, once you step into tier three budget stuff, yeah. everyone's just on their game. Did you notice? Yeah. I was blessed because I was not only, I don't know if I mentioned this. Did you know that The Oath was shot in Puerto Rico? Yeah, I did. 
It yeah, was which is cool because you get to go back home, man. It was a complete coincidence, man. Yeah. I remember in the interview, at the end of the interview, they seemed really pleased. And and I was going to take out my portfolio of everything that I prepped you for. Because usually when a big show hits me up, you can find me somewhere in Lake Arrowhead, cooked up in a in a guest house, going and studying and breaking everything down. Mm. Like, I'm really, I love my job. And I breathe and live cinema. It's like what I love to do. So when you send me a script and... And you're going to meet me on Monday. Rest for sure that, you know, Raphael is not partying Saturday night. I'm actually prepping to meet you to blow your fucking mind and then figure out how are we going to do this. So we can all party later. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So so when I met when I met the studio execs from Sony and the director and another executive at Sony, it was really cool, man. That was one of the studio lots I used to break into. You know, now you're eight years ago. Now they gave you the keys. <laughs> now I have my own parking spot. But but then you know it's all relative. Everything's all relative, and that's why I consider myself still very young. I'm I'm still like there's so many layers, and it's all relative within the studio system. I've learned that there's also another high school within the studio system. You know, mm-hmm. it's all relative. So it was interesting that with this with Sony, be in 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 the interview I take out my all the stuff that i've been prepping and they're like no 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 we don't want to even see it you know we just wanted to meet you we love your work and cool. we they they've saw, already done their homework they yeah. saw lots of yeah, rampage yeah, yeah. already saw their homework so everything's yeah. very professional yeah you know so everything's just like you take that nod and you just like whoop, you just yeah. everything's incredible 11 exactly 11 you Every, go to 11 everybody's at this level as opposed to like some people are kind of as like opposed to like as opposed to when like when you and i met when i met johnny i knew this i didn't, i knew this guy was like a professional actor there's so many things on set that if you watch you can tell okay this person in 10 years is just going to be like ridiculous this person gets so. it and it's lethal it's johnny too bad that was 10 years ago i'm <laughs> just kidding <laughs> just kidding no no but you know in, in all aspects and our work there's you know it's different you know the way I see it is when I go to work, I feel like I'm going to go to work. So, yeah. And as an artist, I'm, I'm, it becomes personal and I'm emotional about it. You know, if you go to visit a cardiologist, you don't, you don't go over the cardiologist and say, Hey, you think you want to cut that vein? (laughs) No, you motherfucker. You leave the cardiologist alone. Right. So in film, I think maturing is really the word mature, the word maturing it's the key to this whole conversation in this mm. podcast mm. because it's really it's what separates. It's the name of the episode, episode seven, maturing. <laughs> it's it's really what sets separates you from the big boys and 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 the minor leagues, and it's it's really how to handle these egos and these. Right. It's it's the all relative, man. Yeah. It never it never changes. It's all the personalities and the egos, and it's yeah. just bigger money, you know. And um, but I'm glad I'm glad that the oath was a really beautiful experience because I went I got to go back home. Dude, that's full circle completely, man. Full circle. You know, I do. I have to say it was a very nostalgic trip, though, because going back and seeing Puerto Rico, the way it got hit by that hurricane by Hurricane Maria, Maria, that was pretty gnarly. So that just kind of like changed my life for real. So when I left, when I left uh, Puerto Rico, I uh, I left like so strong. Mm. Like it wasn't the best show, but I left so like strong in the sense of like I'm gonna work every fucking day of my life to fucking kick ass, dude. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. 
Nice. That's great, man. Yeah. Well, I think... Uh, let's bring it a little lighter, yeah. Yeah, I just... I, we're going to wrap this up. I did have a couple questions left, just like rapid-fire ones, if you're down. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's cause, hit, uh, hit him with it. I like to think this uh, <laughs> this podcast is not only, you know, friends getting together. It's not only about film. It's also a product of its time, the times we live in in 2019. Okay. So you can say as much or as little as you want on this topic. Get ready. Topics, and we'll just fly oh, through. Get ready, dude. Okay. Um, as, as much as or little as you want, just we'll fly through them. Um, what do you think about uh, build the wall? Build to the wall? Build the wall. You know how <laughs> Trump wants to build the wall? What, what build you, the wall? What are your yeah. thoughts? That's ridiculous. First of all, why are we wasting times as humans and arguing and shit that should just be resolved? We got to work together and move forward in, in human and society. We're so fucking fucked. So the, so the answer is no. Yeah. So the, <laughs> we're so fucking. Oh my god. We gotta spend money. We gotta stop spending money on military and like weird shit and like. Is it no to? Uh, There's no reason for poverty and all. Sorry. <laughs> no. You just opened you up a can of worms. Well, is it no to uh, border security or just no to the wall? No, definitely we need border security. Yeah, dude. Look, man, I get it. If there was a fucking stampede of elephants headed towards West Hollywood right now, I would like a wall. I'd be like, oh, it's the I would like a wall so I could stop the stampede of elephants. I get it. There's no fucking stampede of Mexican crazy or any Latin American people that are coming crossing the border. The first of all, yeah, for, there's no caravan. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, first of all, dude, it's almost, dude, there's like a 90% chance of you dying just like crossing the oh, border. Yeah. Just just by hanging out in that like whatever 1,200 like square rampage, mile. Yeah, it's last round like a Robert yeah. Patrick. Dude, he just died out Fucking there with died. Robert Patrick. They died. He's still God. there. Oh. Fucking wall. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, next question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> favorite TV show right now, 2019. <clears throat> Say it it's deep into the mic. The oath. It's the oath. <sighs> oh, yeah. Um. This is the toughest. <laughs> yeah, huh? Game of Thrones last season? Well, Game of Thrones hasn't come out yet. It comes out very soon. It could still be a favorite TV show. But favorite TV show in 2019? Well, just on so right far, now. Last so far, so far. Yeah. Oh, last couple years? I don't want to. Whatever, be, whatever you want. You're supposed to say the. <laughs> you're supposed to say the oath. Aaron's like, I just want you to say something. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, dudes, I don't know, man. You got me. I think. I think True Detective season, season one. Oh, season was, one. Season one so, is great. Season one. Do you see season best. three? Season three is great, but I'm so tired of staring at Maliki's face when he's like, uh, 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 Who? I, I can't remember. Whatever is his Ma- name. Mahershal Ali. Mahershal Ali is an incredible <laughs> actor. Yeah. What an incredible actor, man. Yeah, that guy I haven't seen season three. Season three is so good. Way better yeah. than two. Dude, I mean, he's he, a great yeah, actor. Yeah, way he's better really than good. two. He's amazing, dude. Yeah, he's but the good. other guy did. Both those guys did great. <clears throat> Mahershal is a shit, dude. That guy, he's like Eddie Murphy. Without without the comedy, yeah. without the comedy and but the shadiness. Eddie, but, uh, was Eddie Murphy shady? <laughs> that's another, <laughs> okay. that's so, another episode. All right. Um, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on Bitcoin? Smart. Okay. Are you kidding me? If the four of us invented that shit, we would be like, dude, wouldn't be here right now. Let's yeah. go in a helicopter and crash it <laughs> <laughs> and escape. <laughs> uh, what, what's your thoughts on uh, Aladdin? The new movie is it going to be good? Holy shit! I would never. I wouldn't. Oh my god! You would never see me. I would never pay. I rather. 
Oh, dude, there's more entertainment in a in a Tijuana donkey show, dude. I've seen of those have you seen? Why such malice? I've I've seen more uplifting entertainment in a Tijuana donkey show. All right, show. time out. <laughs> hey, time out, Raf. Is this all, all right. Disney? Or? No, oh. dude. How can you fuck that up? Like, first of all, hang on a second. It's a cartoon. Second of all, if you're gonna do live animation, like like a live, live one. Dude, you gotta do it right. That looks like shit. And right. Will Smith as a genie, come on, bro. Well, you know they're doing the same songs from the original. Do you think Will Smith's gonna have a rap track over Friend Like Me? Or? I will slit my throat in front of children <laughs> in a Disney theater. What if they were like, hey, we want you to DP this? <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. There you go. He'll, he'll there make you it go. good. He'll make it good. I will make it look so sick nice. if Disney, but I would take a different approach. But see, that's not my approach because that's the director's that's, that's approach. That's what they wanna do. All right. Okay. But Will Smith as a genie, dude, that fucking. Not feeling it? No. I, I cried a little bit. Did you guys well, cry? Well, Robin Williams, you know. It's like we all love yeah. Will Smith. It's just he's giving us reasons not to love him, right? It's he's just always weird, likeable. bro. It, it's weird. It's like make but. Fresh Prince the movie, not Aladdin. No, dude. I, yeah, Will bro. Smith's the man. But uh, uh, your thoughts on global warming slash climate change? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Insightful. Man, we're in bad shape. And, our um, kids, not so much us. Our grandkids are in really, really bad shape. So we're good. Our, our, our kids will still enjoy a month or two out of the year. You know? <laughs> no, nice. It'll become more special. If it's just right. One but month. but our grandkids, by the time our grandkids are teenagers, that's like, you know, the planet is really fucked up. And I read something uh, recently in New York Times where like, the amount of carbon monoxide we're pumping into the planet, into the atmosphere, just from the um, meat, the uh, meat, what meat processing meat factories. Yeah, it's the meat processing factory factories. Dude. I know all about. Yeah. Oh, we all know. They're fucking. That. They they just pump. They're just old school. Conspiracy. Are you vegan? No, it's just an old school. No, dude, I fucking yeah. would hunt you, down a cow and. Part of and, the problem. Bro, I'm just, bro, I'm I'm throwing trash in the river. Bro. <laughs> You're nah, just saying joking. it is a problem. You littered on the way over here, bro. I literally <laughs> just like cleaned out my car on the street where I parked. <laughs> and next question. I have a ritual where I take a garbage bag and I just open it up in the freeway. <laughs> Out the window. Hey, I've seen you. You're not adopting any highways anytime no, soon. No, man, I'm not adopting saying. highways. And I scream Attica. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> joking. Uh, my final question. Um, not necessarily that you would, uh, this is, doesn't have to be your final decision. You don't have to say, I'm a, I'm a Democrat. It's just the 2020 election is coming up. Trump will be challenged by somebody. It's still over a year away. Is there any Democratic candidates that stand out to you? I haven't been paying attention. And, um, this is a tricky one because you have to be realistic and mature about it. And and all jokes aside, I don't want to joke about it anymore because this is important. But the fact is Trump probably will win and which sucks. And the reason why is because everything is structured. He's a fucking smart guy. You have to give it to him. The guy's atrocious. He's an animal. Well, he's been doing. He, he threw paper towels at my people. I literally, if you, if that, Donald yeah. Trump. In basketball. If, yeah, if yeah. in basketball style, which is subliminal towards me. I don't want to talk about it, but I think he did it. Yeah. And 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 if I were in the same room as him, I would neglect a handshake and 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 say respectfully, I don't want to I don't want to meet you, Mr. President. You well, threw paper towels on my. When you say he threw paper towels, off. he um, it was supposed to be a nice thing, giving supplies, but the way he did it, he just seemed out of touch. The way he did it, right? No, fuck that. Just read between the lines. Be just just be a human and read between the lines. It's despicable. You don't you don't. Yeah. 
you don't throw you don't it was like throw empty. paper towels yeah. like a free throw well, at anybody really to it's just like to a group of Puerto Ricans that are obviously um, statehood Puerto Ricans that are fans of his to stage. See, there's there's two sides of the coins. I could tell you what people back home thought about it, and I could tell you what people thought about it here. What are people back home? People back home were fucking atrocious by it because because they also knew that the people that were there to catch those fucking whatever those people that were there are actually Trump supporters are actually so they were Republicans in Puerto Rico mm. or or statehood people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if you really read between the lines. Of the 85 or 90 percent of people that witnessed that and saw that, whether it's any cultural, it's just disrespectful, dude. Yeah, yeah. If it, it felt like it was like when I saw it, I'm like, is this like the Middle Ages and the king is just like feeding the peasants? <laughs> yeah, that, bro. It felt, like it felt here, yeah, dude. Out of touch. You know? I fucking hate him, dude. Yeah. I, I seriously, just to me, it's just despicable. But the reality is, he is a business. He is a very smart business guy. Whether he d he did it right or wrong or shady or whatever, the fact is that. He knows what he's doing. I mean, also, he's like... He's campaigning. He's been campaigning the last three, four years. So. Yeah, dude. Also, also, you have to keep in mind that this all might, ha might, might just have to happen out of spite, out of like him being a spoiled guy who's rich and likes power and says, and someone went up to him, he's like, oh, you would never be the president. Oh, yeah, I would bet you. I would bet you, too. And that could have happened easily because of the way he behaves. It's weird. When I was growing up, I remember I used to like civics class in my high school in Puerto Rico. And I remember having such an uh, incredible amount of respect towards government, towards the elected, towards my governor, towards the president. I think it was Bill Clinton and all this yeah. shit. And the economy was great and all this shit. But it's fucking weird to have someone who actually does bigotry on a Twitter account. It's like weird. And you're like, dude, we're supposed to look out. Like if I went and sent my kids to school and they're three or four years old, Right, and you remember the days in pre-kinder? You guys fucking remember that shit? Mm -hmm. We went to you know, pre-kinder. Right, you remember how innocent you are and you look up to the whatever and you're learning the, the Star Spangled Banner and all that shit, right? Dude, you look up to the president as a glorified, nice person. He's like supposed to be a gentleman and all that shit. You have a president now that spends his weekend insulting people in a, in a Twitter account. It says a lot, dude. And, and it's a totally. different time. It's a different time. He woke up the zombies in middle America, dude. Oh, yeah. He woke up buck fuck Joe from Oklahoma. <laughs> and he said, you know what, darling? I'm going to go outside and kill everyone. <laughs> and after that, I'm going to vote for Trump. Hold on. After that, they're going to drive in their Chevy. Oh. Hey, a lot of people felt oh, disenfranchised right. too, and they were hoping you'd change. You know, the I have a Chevy, bro. Hey. <laughs> You're feeding into the problem. Hey. Anyways, <laughs> let's do another hour on Trump, and then another, well, no. anyway, dude. So call me back. For, let's talk about Trump on episode <laughs> nine. It's a whole Eight. different podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the Trump Power. <laughs> the Trump Power Hour. All right. News. So where can the audience find you on social media, all that kind of stuff? Um, Instagram. That's, Which is what, what, what is that? all right? Great. I love, I love my uh, my. Uh, you know, just you know what? Yeah. I, uh, you know. Actually, you have you have really dope like stills on Instagram. So thanks, man. That's I uh, you can just Google me. It sounds really ridiculous, but you can you can Google me. You Raphael. can see my. So your full name for the folks at home: Raphael Leva. R A F A E L <clears throat> L E Y V A. Um, you can go to Raphael Leva DP or sorry, rlevadp.com. That's my website and um, and Instagram at Raphael Leva DP. Dope. And you're uh, plugging the Crackle Show right now, right? That's what people need to watch. The Oath. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Is there a, a we're gonna we should have another episode. We should have another episode about we this. We will Dude, definitely, definitely do that. Coming back. Because um, I wanna I wanna talk about the oath. All right. So okay, uh, I just wanna say some things projects, here, you know, a little current bro. projects, future projects you're working on right now. Um, believe it or not, this is kind of cool. I sh- uh, I'm trying not to jinx it, but I'll be I'll, I'll You don't be, have to say a lot, just no, give a little no. tease. Okay, okay, okay. Uh I've been really secretly uh secretive of this. It's been keeping me up. Uh, all night uh, the last couple of months. I can tell you haven't slept. I shot. I shot something on film for Spielberg. Oh, nice! And dude. I'm trying to get in shoe in consideration for second unit DP on West Side Story. Oh, sick! Yeah, the, wow. the music prepping doing, right. Yeah, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. So I shot something for him, and uh, I can show it to you guys. I, I wanted to show it to you guys, and and uh, and then um, I've had my first. The phone call. I don't want to jinx it, man. It's just like I just. I, I will say this. I will say this. Um, I'm going to. I'm going through a growing transition, where now that I have my studio, my first studio picture show from, yeah. from Sony Pictures, and Last Rampage and all that stuff with my agency, I'm, I'm growing and I look forward to the future. And nice. I, and I shot a piece for uh, Mr. Spielberg and Janusz Kaminski. And uh, hopefully I get considered. We'll see. Sick, dude. You know, I was pretty stoked. Dude, wish you the best of luck with that. Thanks, man. They've Uh been really respectful. That's the most beautiful part. Cool. That's what I will say about that. And and any any viewers out there, man, it is La La Land. I know it's it's fucking gnarly and we have to deal with Instagram and super materialistic world. But just follow your heart and work really hard to what you love and what you believe and and if you're dating someone, make sure they support you. And if and if they don't, then it's okay. Just keep trucking along. This the the, the town is tough. Yeah, Hollywood is really tough, and um, and there's nothing more beautiful than respect. So nice, man. I think yeah. that's a that's a beautiful way to end it. Yeah, bro. Nice. I like it. Um, so obviously, this guy is a rising star. So make sure you guys look out for him. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in to Surviving Hollywood. And we will catch you guys on the next one. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming by, dude. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. So much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if we, if we have some.